time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. You've probably figured this out by yourself by now, but if you own a vulva, did you know that there is a three in five chance that having penetrative sex doesn't result in an orgasm? Enter Zumio. (laughs) Zumio is a -a one-of-a-kind toy with the sole purpose of providing a unique, stimulating experience. And guess what? It doesn't even vibrate. It rotates with a concentrated pinpoint energy that allows you to control how and where you use it. There are four different models specifically designed for your personal intensity preferences. And Zumio is great for vulva mapping and exploring the rest of your body, whether that is solo or with a partner. Check out www.myzumio.com slash Rachel. That's R-A-C-H-E-L for a special discount for the Right Conversations listeners and take control of your orgasms today. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 12 of The Right Conversations. Today, we are having a conversation about cultivating a sex-positive community with Corey Bush. Now, you may know Corey from Instagram, from workshops. Uh, If you are in the New York sex-positive community, you definitely know Corey. Corey is a beautiful, beautiful human inside and out. I am just so honored that they wanted to come on and have this conversation. Whether you are wanting to cultivate a sex positive community or not, listen, again, we are trying to destigmatize and remove shame. And if you want any community in your life, especially if it's sex positive, because that happens to be the focus of our chat today, listen, And reach out with questions. Reach out to me, reach out to Corey. Without further ado, here's a conversation about cultivating sex positive community with the one and only Corey Bush. Corey, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. We are going to talk about cultivating sex positive community. And I have watched you just thrive at this. I I truly have never seen anyone cultivate community in the way that you have. And I, I want to know how, and I know that so many people listening are like, how Corey, how do I do this? So anywhere you want to start with it. Yeah. Um, so I think before I talk into, or before I go into how I cultivated this community, I kind of want to talk about the before part of it. Please. Um, because I've lived, um, I'm coming up, uh, now on having been in New York for eight years. 
Um, I came to New York for college and really the first four years of my New York experience when I was in school, I was cycling through a lot of different friend groups as most of us kind of tend to do in college. Um, so that was very typical um, of my experience. And then it wasn't until I studied abroad in London, my junior year in college. And that is when I started to explore the kink world. Um, I did the very kind of um, traditional <laughs> pathway that I don't really recommend, which is going on FetLife. <laughs> um, and we can talk a little bit more about like why FetLife sucks um, in other ways, but yep. I went on FetLife and um, was meeting up with um, people who I was interested in playing with, finding uh, private parties to attend at local spaces and stuff. And that was really just kind of me dipping my toe into it. And then it wasn't until I got back from London and I was like, okay, I know this is for me. I know that I like these spaces. I know that this is the kind of environment that I want to build my life in. Um, so now how do I find this in New York? And um, I was very lucky. And so again, first I want to acknowledge too that um, I, like you and me are both extremely privileged living in New York city. Yes. Um, cause we have massive access to spaces like this. There are so many spaces, um, sex positive spaces, places that host workshops and parties and all of the events under the, under the sun, um, that Truly. happens like in here, but doesn't happen in, you know, some random city in Ohio, <laughs> um, <laughs> as much as we wish they did. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that I feel like is really important to acknowledge here because a lot of the stuff that I had access to, most people don't. Um, and I feel like it's shitty to just be like, oh, just go to a play party. And you're like, <laughs> I live in Reading, Pennsylvania, where are the play parties there? Right. Um, so, so that's another aspect of it. And we'll definitely talk about like online community and stuff like that for our lovely rural folks listening. Um, so living in New York city is definitely a massive privilege in terms of access, living in really any major city, New York, San Francisco, LA, um, pretty much any like state capitals and stuff. Um, the triangle area of North Carolina is actually a really kinky spot. Um, so Noted. it's definitely, it's definitely a geographical thing. Um, it's definitely not everywhere. Um, but that being said, um, you know, a lot of people assume that kink is only in major cities and what's really interesting and what they found in research is that actually a lot of people who live in rural areas and the suburbs, um, are also very kinky and also looking for community, um, because there's nothing else to do out there. <laughs> um, weird. It's like kink <laughs> doesn't discriminate based on where you're born or exactly. your parents have you live. <laughs> exactly. Like we all have these desires and curiosities and stuff. And, um, in major cities, there's obviously more to do. There's more resources to organize these things, but that doesn't mean that there is a lack of interest or a lack of curiosity in these other spaces as well. Um, so, so going back to, to my kind of journey, um, I started to attend local parties that were advertised. They weren't private parties. They were just, um, open and out there. I found them through partners that I was seeing at the time. Um, and actually at one of those parties, I met someone who was working. So, um, at the time I was a senior in college, I wanted to get into sex education. So I knew that I wanted to work in this space. So I actually found a job 
um, opening for a sex, for a sex researcher, um, at this party. And they were like, yeah, give me your email. We'll, we'll connect and everything. And I ended up getting this job. So then I actually started working in this space. Um, so I started, um, hosting events for my boss at like a local sex positive space, um, at multiple different kinds of spaces and really starting to get connected with the local community here. Um, and then from that, um, after that point, I, um, I worked for her for a little over a year. And then, um, I started hosting my own workshops using the connections that I had made working for her. So it was very much this honestly, very typical business networky kind of journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, but honestly, that's how networking works in really any industry across any field and somehow, when we talk about sex or when we bring sex or intimacy into the picture, our brains get so scattered and are like, how do I find community? And the answer is really any other way you'd find any other community. Um, you, you put yourselves in environments where you are surrounding yourself with the people that you want to be friends with or be partners with. Um, you know, it's attending, you know, when you find an event that, okay, you really vibe with, like, this is great. Returning to that same event, seeing those people over and over again. Like we, I think as a society in the way that we like educate our kids in school, you know, we, so many kids will get to college and be like, oh my God, I don't know how to make friends because all of my friends were just the same 20 to hundred people that were put in the same classes as me over and over again. And it's really like we make friends through repetition, through seeing people in the same spaces over and over again. It's why people go to coffee shops, um, to, you know, meet people or, you know, it's why people find, you know, those communities they keep returning to. I want to quickly interrupt this episode to talk about my latest project with Best Self Co. If you don't already know, Best Self Co. is a brand with a range of simple yet meaningful tools that help people achieve their goals, be more productive, and create positive change in their life. I've had the pleasure of working with Best Self Co. on a few projects, the latest being their brand new Intimacy After Dark deck. This 150 card conversation deck is a tool for talking about and exploring sex to bring more connected intimacy into your life. The deck was designed with all relationship structures in mind and includes a conversation framework adapted and approved by me that guides you through consensual and comfortable conversations about sex. Best Self was so kind to provide a code to my listeners so that you can get your hands all over the Intimacy After Dark deck before it's gone. Use the code Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, during checkout at bestself.co and get 30% off the new Intimacy After Dark deck. That's bestself.co and code Rachel for 30% off the new After Dark deck. I want to thank Best Self Co. for being one of today's podcast sponsors. Now, back to our conversation. Thank you for naming that. I think so many people think that they're supposed to show up, and I use supposed to very strongly here, show up, connect with someone, and then you will just like magically have a relationship with this person without having to repeat that over and over and over again to feel safe and connected. So thank you for naming that. Yeah, like especially I think there's this assumption because we are in these spaces where sex and intimacy is at the forefront 
And so because of that, we assume that, okay, if we're in this space, then we're already participating in this intimate experience. And really the space is just there to give the opportunity for you to then choose to participate in an intimate experience. Um, but obviously if you're new to this space and you're seeing people having sex around you or playing or doing kink or whatever it is, it can feel like you're kind of automatically in this already very intimate experience and you are to an extent, um, but not necessarily to the extent, like you said, where you can just start up this beautiful, magical friendship or relationship. Um, so it's really about, you know, going to these same events over and over again. Maybe you don't meet anyone the first time, but you liked the vibe of the event. So you come back and see who's there the next time. Um, you know, it's so much trial and error and repetition. And the reason that I wanted to start by talking about like the beforehand part is because like, I've been here for eight years and it's really only been in the last year to like last one to two years that I feel like I have really found Mm. my community, like people that will be in my life for the rest of my life, people that I want to have around my children when they're there, like it's, it's really taken so much time. Um, and I think a lot of people will move to a new city or join a new community and assume that, okay, because I found the right people or the right vibe that, you know, I've, I found it and then they'll struggle with the difficult parts of relationships eventually when they come along, you know, we all start relationships in the honeymoon phase, whether it's a friendship or a romantic partnership or sexual, whatever it is. And then, then we eventually get into this point where we're struggling for power and we're in this kind of like power struggle phase. We're forcing each other to be our ideal people in our lives. Um, and for some relationships, you're able to work through and find that balance of power and happiness and desire and boundaries and all of those wonderful things. Um, and then in a lot of others, you don't, and that's okay. And I think people, um, especially in the sex positive community, when you find that for the first time, it can feel, um, like it almost makes sense to almost lower your standards a little bit so that you can Mm -hmm. fit into this community. But when it comes to community in terms of lasting a long time and building a really strong foundation, you want to find community that you belong in and not feel like you have to fit into. I really appreciate you saying that. Cause I mean, you know, that I say often relationships are relationships are relationships are relationships and often people who have not experienced creating deep platonic friendships are like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't, fight with people or like, I don't have conflict with people in my life that aren't my one partner in my monogamous relationship. And really when we look at it, the deepest, closest relationships that we have, we do go through conflict, you know, even with our therapists or our doctors, like there will be something that comes up and you're like, Hey, I got to bring this up to you and like have a conversation. And that muscle, that skill is applicable across the board. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's building up a tolerance to that experience of the figuring it out part of being okay that maybe this person that you that you met that you hit it off with right off the bat isn't going to become your primary partner or the role that you had maybe envisioned that they best would, friend yes what whatever it is yeah um so i think building up your tolerance to that experience is really helpful when finding community because it's going to happen and you everyone doesn't need to like you (laughs) that's something what i think that's something that i i feel like i'm still 
trying to embody and learn, but it's, you know, everyone is not supposed to like you. It is okay that not everyone likes you. And you're going to meet people who practice kink or practice non-monogamy or do things differently in a way that, you know, you can't necessarily agree to disagree with. So that's okay. You don't have to be, you know, friends with all these people. Um, and I think kind of segueing into like what actually community looks like, I think that it's really, really important to have your um, kind of core group of people. And that might just be like a handful of people or a couple of people that you can really confide in and trust um, and talk to about very vulnerable things with. And then you have these kind of outside layers of you know people that you might see at parties or people that you might get a coffee with every now and then. Um, and those relationships are equally as important too. Not everyone needs to be our like, I need you to drop everything for me if I need you kind of person. Like some people, it's okay to have those more kind of casual relationships. And then you have the even more casual relationships of people that you might run into at a party. And like, I've had that so many times where it's like, I'll run into someone 10 times at a party before we're like, hi, you're a person. We've seen each other enough. Like we should talk. We're okay. Like we're frequenting enough of the same events that like, this should be a thing. Yes. <laughs> um, but again, all of that was kind of cultivated organically and naturally. And it wasn't like this, like, oh, we keep seeing each other thing. We should be friends. It was like a, hey, okay, you hang out with the same people where, you know, it's, there's enough of an overlap there. Um, and I think when it comes to community, um, you know, it's, I would say, um, easier to find those kind of people that you're running into often. And it takes a lot more effort to really cultivate that core kind of group of people. But I think really all layers of that, um, like all levels of community are so important and serve their own specific purpose. Um, there's, um, in like transformative justice, uh, conversations, there's a woman, um, Mia Mingus who created, uh, the concept of pod mapping, which mm. essentially like visually builds out these pods for you to see, okay, who is my community? Who are my close friends? who holds me accountable, um, who can I turn to, who can I rely on? Um, and it basically shows like you at the center of this pod and then your kind of inner circle and then just like rings of more outer circles. And I think that's a really good and healthy way to view community. Yeah. I love that visual. And I'll, I'll link that in the show notes for anyone who's like, Rachel, I'm visual, please link it in the show <laughs> notes. <laughs> so I will do that there. So, okay. Let's say someone is either in a city that they've been in for forever, or they just moved and they get somewhere and let's do, let's separate out virtual and in-person community. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's do in-person first. They move to a city and they're, you know, lucky enough to have it be a New York, a Chicago an LA something or close to mm -hmm. where does someone start? Because like you said, FetLife is a dumpster fire and <laughs> is terrifying and serves a purpose. So where do you recommend people start? Yeah. So, um, since we're talking about FetLife, I feel like I'll just nip this in the bud. So, um, a lot of people use FetLife as a dating app and that is the worst way to use this website. It would be like using Facebook in 2010 as a dating, <laughs> like as a dating app. Um, terrible idea, terrible yes. idea. Um, it's a great but, analogy, <laughs> right? It's like, I used to be able to say that normally, but now Facebook has its own dating thing. And I'm like, Oh, okay, fine. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. so, so FetLife is not a dating app, but it is a tool that you can use if you know how to use it. And so the way that I tell people how to use FetLife, this is a very like 
abstinence versus harm reduction conversation. Because <laughs> like, it's very easy to just say like, throw out fat life, don't ever use it, don't ever sign up. And like, if you don't, if you don't want to use that app, that's totally fine. I'm never going to force anyone to make a fat life account. But if you do feel like you have limited resources or you really don't know where to start, I think it is a good place to start um, when you use it correctly. And the way that I would recommend people to use it is, you know, make an account. You don't have to put up photos or anything like you really can make such a bare bones account. Um, and then go to your area. So they have um, events listed on, um, on FetLife. And because FetLife has been around for so long, there are a lot of events that get put up there. Um, and a lot of them are trash. I will totally admit to that. A lot of them are just like someone trying to get gang banged on a Tuesday night or whatever, which you know what, more power to them. Good for them. Um, totally. But but if you're looking for something where there's going to be a little bit more vetting and maybe a little bit more structure and maybe some consent guardians or dungeon monitors or stuff like that, you want something that has a little bit better of a reputation. Um, and so the way that I would recommend looking through that is so you can always see um, on FetLife who the organizers of an event are. So you can go onto their profile. A lot of times if they're an established organizer, they'll have a website linked on their profile. They might have other social media um, uh, platforms linked like Twitter, um, Instagram, maybe they have a Patreon, maybe they're an educator full time. So you can see kind of more about the work they do and the other organizations that they work with. So it's really about actually doing your research and that takes time. So, you know, you find an event, maybe it's, let's say like, um, a, uh, age play, like daddy, Don, little girl, caregiver, you know, little kind of event. And you're really curious about that kind of play and you want to meet like-minded folks. Um, you can reach out to the organizer directly on FetLife. If they are a, you know, good and safe person, they will be more than happy to answer any questions that you have about the event. You can introduce yourself and say that you're new, that you might be a little nervous. Is this, would this be a good event for beginners? And maybe if it's not a good event for beginners, maybe they'll have one that's coming up that is a great event for beginners that they can then direct you to. So, you know, organizers in this community oftentimes are educators because of the way this world works and everything. So um, they should be used as resources as well. And because they are advertising themselves as having events, they are saying, hey, please come to me with questions. I am someone that you can ask. Um, you can also, if you're following people on Instagram and stuff um, who live locally like me, for example, feel free to DM me and be like, hey, have you heard about this party? Is this a good vibe? I'm sure Rachel would, can do the same. There's so many people, um, especially in New York and especially in major cities, like educators like us, um, who are more than happy to answer those like super quick questions over DM. And we will say no, like that. That's the other yes. thing is like, <laughs> if, if you come with like a, Hey, I heard about this. What do you think? 100% will tell you the truth. And there's yes. no, like, we're not on a commission basis for, you know, this is your, your wellness, your safety, your sexuality. Yeah. And like, that's very, very precious. Corey, can you speak to, you mentioned that if someone is hesitant to like engage in questions about their own event, that that's like a giant, like, Hey, beware. Um, I hate the term red flag, so we won't use it, but just a, a you know, a warning sign. Yeah. Can you explain why for someone who is maybe newer to this community? The honeypot is more than the products in your bathroom cabinet. It's embracing that time of the month. It's staying balanced through the ups and downs, good sex and bad sex. It's exploring, it's learning, it's plant-derived. Powered by herbs and science, 
the first complete personal care system to get you what you need when you need it. Check out The Honeypot at Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and on thehoneypot.co. You can enter code RACHEL20, that's R-A-C-H-E-L-2-0, for 20% off your first Honeypot order on thehoneypot.co. Yeah, so if um, if an organizer is unwilling to answer questions about their event or um, making you feel bad for answering questions like that, the way that I would compare it to is let's say that you were negotiating a scene with somebody. Let's say that you are, um, let's say if you're a submissive and you're negotiating a scene with a dominant and you're asking them questions about um, what kind of, what does play normally look like to you? Um, you know, do you have any references of previous submissives that I can talk to? And if they are, they don't want to release that information, like what you're doing is you're trying to seek information to figure out where your boundaries are, what your desires are. You're gathering data, collecting data to figure out where your comfort levels lie. And if someone is not willing to give you that information and help you collect that data, then they are likely going to benefit from you not having the boundaries that you're trying to build with their help. So if an event organizer doesn't want to answer questions or, um, uh, speak, you know, like is, um, speaking poorly about like all other events except for theirs kind of thing. Like those yeah. are all things that I would say, like raise an eyebrow to me. Um, mm-hmm. and definitely, you know, warrants further questions. And the other thing too, is like your gut and your intuition is powerful. Your intuition is there for a reason. And oftentimes, especially if you are AFAB, if you were socialized as a woman in this world, we are so often told to shut our gut up and to not listen to it. So if you're having a conversation with an organizer about their party and you're like, I this is, I can't fully tell. I'm really struggling to suss out the vibe here. That's a really good indication for you to say, okay, maybe I should ask someone else about this party. Maybe I can reach out to another thing about FetLife is you can see the other people going to the event. Um, and so you could potentially reach out to other folks who are going. Um, now again, everything with caution, like do everything with caution. Thankfully on FetLife, you can like block people. And this is another reason to maintain privacy on FetLife as well. Mm. Um, because if you are someone who's new and you reach out to someone who might not be the best person, but you don't know that yet. And you're like, hi, I'm new to this event. They'll be like, sure, you can totally come with me. That would be great. So, you know, be mindful, be careful, use all of the typical internet safety skills that you would use in any other dating app on any other website. Um, but, um, you know, you, for the most part, I would say kinky people, regardless if you know them or not, are very willing to help each other, like maintain safety and security. Um, and especially educators, people who are out there posting this content, we are, we are here to help you. We are doing this work because we want to help keep people safe. Um, a lot of times because we have made mistakes of our own that have not um, kept us safe. So we want to try to help mitigate that for other people. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, okay. They take a step, they sign up for fat life. They're checking out events. What next? Um, so look for the events that interest you. Um, if you're super type a, you can like write them down on a doc or a spreadsheet or a note, whatever you want. And just kind of, I I did that. (laughs) I just want to like, I fully did that when I moved to New York. I had a nice little spreadsheet going. 
had like red for like, no, do not, no, don't go back. Yellow for like, oh, maybe, maybe check it out again. Maybe talk to him again. Green was like, this is fucking great. Yes. Yeah. See, like, that's amazing. It's all about like, you're just collecting data about what you like and what you don't like. And it's really helpful too, if you are going to like write that down or even keep a journal or something about writing down what aspects of the event you didn't like, what you did like, what you would like to see more of. Um, and that can kind of help you shape the kind of events that you do want to go to eventually. Um, so, um, you can totally use that life. That's a really um, great tool when you know how to use it. Again, everything with a grain of, with a grain of salt. Um, it is not a very regulated site. Um, <clears throat> so um, FetLife is definitely a good resource. If we're also talking major cities, I do want to plug Bloom um, because they are an emerging yes. app that's coming out. They are currently in New York, LA, San Francisco, San Diego. I think those are the four cities they are currently um, trying to expand to other major cities as well. But Bloom is actually like a community building app. So it is an app that is designed for this purpose to connect you with um, broader sex positive and alternative lifestyle events. And that can be anywhere from workshops to parties to mixers to munches, like literally anything and everything under the sun. Um, as long as it kind of falls within that sex positive alternative lifestyle category. Um, so that's a really great app. And what I love about theirs is they kind of take it one step beyond that life with, in terms of like the safety and consent aspect of it. Um, so if you are a to an event on the app, um, then you can actually see the other attendees on the app and you, or, um, also RSVP to the event, you can swipe on those attendees. So if you swipe on, if you swipe right on someone and the other person also swipes right on you, then you can chat, the app will match you two. And then you can chat with each other before the event, during, after. It's really great if you met someone and you had a misconnection that you're trying to see if you can find again. Um, So it's, the design of it is awesome and it makes so much sense. What they really need is just more users right now to get more events on the platform, get more people using it because it's a really, really effective structure. And I see exactly what they're doing. I'm really excited for it. I just want more people to be on there and, and to, yeah, be interacting with it more. Agreed. I'm also on Bloom and think that it is, I, I see where they're going and I see yeah. what they're doing and it's very exciting because if this yeah. gets bigger, it mm-hmm. could replace the downfalls of FetLife. Yeah. And people have been trying to replace FetLife for years. I cannot tell you how many like consults I've done with designers who are trying to do wow. this. And the issue is funding always. Um, it's not, you know, creating a consent oriented digital space for our communities isn't profitable to in a lot of people's eyes. Now right. we know <laughs> that that's not always the case and that we yeah. can actually turn a pretty good profit. Um, but, uh, so that's, that's another app that I would really recommend people looking into if you live in those cities, um, hope, you know, as they expand in those cities that they're currently in, they'll hopefully expand to new cities. So they're really, really working on it. Um, and I definitely recommend checking them out. I'm on it as well. I post all my workshops on there and you said you are as well. So yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Lawanda Massager is a woman-founded luxury vibrator brand that brings unparalleled quality to a notoriously sketchy industry. Lawanda originated as one hell of a classic wand, 
all the power you could want with an award-winning design to match and has now become a full line of best-in-class, heart-pounding, hair-raising toys designed with pleasure in mind for all bodies. Take 25% off your order at lawandmassager.com using code Rachel Wright. I want to ask you, what are some of the biggest, uh, mm, let's use the word faux pas. What are some of the biggest faux pas that you have seen folks make while trying to cultivate community? Mm -hmm. Um, The first one that comes to mind is, um, I like to call it Pokemon collecting or partner collecting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Gotta catch them all. Uh (laughs) Um, And this term is, is kind of used in like kink or non-monogamy spaces as someone who typically, um, it's usually people who are more new to the, the scene and it comes from a place of just excitement. Like you've been in this mono heteronormative world for however many years, 20 to 40, 50 years, and you just discovered that something else exists and you're so excited and you just can't wait to get all of the partners and to have all of the metamors you envision this beautiful big kitchen table poly situation where everyone's getting along and everyone's having great and there's orgies every weekend and yay it's awesome that sounds great however um that does not sound sustainable <laughs> to me yeah. um with any relationships you get into including platonic friendships and sexual relationships and literally anything there are with a relationship with two people, there's three relationships to maintain at all times, right? You have your relationship with yourself. They have their relationship with themselves. And then you have the relationship together. So if you're in a triad, there's seven main, seven relationships to maintain. And of course, you know, being in your quad, there is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. (laughs) It's like 15 or something. Yeah. So much. Um, and that only exponentially grows as you collect partners. And the same goes with communities. A lot of people um, will try to build community through finding partners. And while partnership and romantic relationships and sexual relationships are a part of community, it is only one part of community. Um, I don't think that those relationships, um, when when you're discovering the sex positive community and because so much of what we do is around intimacy and relationships and sex and all of this stuff, it can, it can feel like, okay, the way to cultivate sex positive community is through sex or is through intimacy. And again, that is just one part of it. We're a sex positive community because we share these values and we share these, these morals, um, not necessarily because we do this or do that, but rather we have these beliefs that we will act on sometimes and maybe don't. Um, so I think that's like one of the, the biggest ones. And, that, and that's where I see a lot of people getting hurt. And I see a lot of people like denouncing non-monogamy and saying, oh, I tried it. It was terrible. And, you know, so monogamy must be the only way. Um, I think the way to do this is take things slow. Um, I think it's totally, it's totally normal and almost expected for a lot of people when they go to their first like play party, for example, for them to like totally dive in and just like get all the beatings and fuck all the people and just do all of the things that makes them so happy. And that's amazing. I was a hundred percent that person when I was going to my first play parties, like totally. And then I kind of reached a point where I was like, whoa, okay. 
this is a lot. This is new. This is, I, I have, a, I still have a lot to figure out right now. So I'm going to maybe pump the brakes a little bit. I'm not going to like fully stop everything, but maybe I need to like reassess and see, you know, try to kind of experiment more and see what things I need to make this more sustainable. Mm. Um, so when I think, you know, when you're building community, some, a way to avoid those faux pas is thinking about sustainability in the back of your mind is like, could I maintain what I've been doing for this period of time for a couple of years? Do I want to do that? Does that sound ideal to me? Do I see burnout maybe, you know, looming in the future? Um, so thinking about that sustainability is, is super, super important. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, another, I had one, um, another faux pas, um, oh, well, this one, I don't know if this is as applicable, um, to, uh, to everyone, but let's say that, um, oftentimes I see people, um, bouncing around to different communities after they've had a problem at a certain community. Ah. Um, so that might be a consent violation or a miscommunication or really just anything under the, under the spectrum of conflict. Um, and a lot of times, so in these sex positive communities, for the most part, I'm not going to speak like with a broad brush because not every community handles shit the same. Um, but for the most part, part of being sex positive is wanting to, um, you know, reapproach this very carceral way of thinking that we have in our culture, this very like lock them up, they're very kind of cancel culture kind of situation. I hate saying that because cancel culture is valid, but yes. <laughs> um, but like we, and so a lot of times, you know, when we approach um, this community having not had any experience before, um, we bring those same experiences with us so that when we fuck up, we learn that the most sustainable outcome for us is to run away from the problem, to avoid the problem, to pretend like it never happened, to find new people who aren't even aware that the problem ever happened. Which is um, very scary in this context. Yes. Very, very scary because when we're dealing with stuff that is far more intimate, like sex and kink, where we can actually commit violence upon each other, um, that it's obviously very, very scary. And so if you are in a situation where you have fucked up at a party or you've had some issue with a partner and they've brought it to an organizer or something like that, if you are actually able to set your ego aside for a moment and show a willingness to repair the situation, a lot of times people want to see that happen. We don't want, our community is so small that we don't want that this phenomenon to happen where people are just bouncing around to different parties, yeah. harming different people without learning anything. Like we are human beings. We are going to harm people. That is what we do. There's yes. like, it is going to happen. And the way that we mitigate that harm is by learning about the harm that's already happened, the harm that we've already done so that we can not do it again in the future or start to learn different ways to approach things, different ways to approach conflicts. Um, but when we don't do this, we don't learn. We keep bouncing around of communities. We keep participating harm. We keep perpetuating harm. Um, and then that's when we can be put on like a blacklist per se. And that's when you can get really, really excluded from the community. So if you're someone who you've made a mistake or you've fucked up or you're still figuring out and you know you're still figuring it out and focus less on trying to pretend like you know all the right things to do and focus so much more 
on learning and being open to people teaching you a new way of handling things because it does exist. Um, and there's a lot of resources out there, a lot of organizers who have those resources that can help connect you to those things. Um, so be prepared to handle conflict in a different way, as I would say, is, is um, especially for more common consent violations that can be more so talked up to a misunderstanding or, mm -hmm. you know, differences in experiences. Um, you know, be prepared and excited to learn because that's a gift. People, we're, people are giving you this gift of not being able, not harming people again in the future. And that's amazing. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, you know, often, and I'm sure you get this question a lot too, when a monogamous partnership is opening up to non-monogamy, they'll say, what can I do to ensure I don't hurt the other person? And I usually give a smile and a laugh and say, haha, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you will. So you we, will. Can talk, we can talk about what to do when it happens, but yeah. we're not going to sit and try to prevent every single thing that could happen because that is a waste of everyone's time and energy yeah. and it, it is a very humbling experience simply to just say i'm a human i'm gonna harm people unintentionally most of the time you know most of us come from an yes. unintentional place um mm -hmm. and when i do i'm open to hearing what i did and what i can do better yeah. and that to me makes a good community member and someone who can stay it's it's mm -hmm. the people who frankly have this idea that they could never have harmed someone you know mm -hmm. well it wasn't my intent well we got you know we talk a lot about intent and impact and your intent doesn't super matter when the impact yeah. is there and we yeah. can go back and talk about intent but we got to deal with the impact first exactly and when it comes to the process of healing and repairing harm that's caused that is when we can then bring intent back into the conversation and say was there intent here and if not okay then we have a we, we can set the container for what this process looks like versus if there is intent then that's a very different conversation exactly exactly in the very first episode of this podcast we talked about how to talk about sex and other intense topics with your partner. And I mentioned working with a company that I love and have partnered with called Best Self Co. They're the company that I created the Intimacy After Dark deck with. Well, I love the team over there. And as a thank you for listening to this podcast, we are combining forces to give one lucky listener per episode a free Intimacy After Dark deck. What do you have to do to enter? Visit bestself.co slash Rachel. Plus, don't forget that they are offering all my listeners 30% off the new After Dark deck. Again, visit bestself.co and use promo code Rachel. Okay, so Corey, as we wrap up this conversation, if you had to leave the folks listening who are looking for sex positive community with two pieces of advice, what would you leave them with? Um... So we didn't touch a lot on online community. So I, so I want to leave them with this advice that online community. So if you are someone you're listening to this conversation, you're like, so going to a sex party sounds awful. Going to a public workshop sounds awful. I am super introverted. This is not my vibe at all. That is totally okay. And you should still be building community. And I really, really recommend online community in that sense. 
because even if let's say you have a bunch of partners and maybe platonic you know friendships maybe they're sexual or maybe there's romance or whatever it's you you start to get into muddy ethical territory when it comes to finding support for your various partnerships because it's not necessarily ethical all the time to talk to your partner about the issues you're having with your other partners so it's really important to have friends that essentially don't have a dog in the fight for to hold space for you and to listen to you who are going to give you advice that's not coming from a place that will really impact them at all um so when it comes to online community i um really recommend uh, the ask a sub discord is such a fantastic place if you're a kinky um it is so amazing there are so many different channels for all of the different orientations and identities and things that you're looking for it's really really fantastic um you can get it if you sign up for her five dollar patreon tier amazing um, i'll link that here yep and that's been amazing also uh remodeled love has a discord server as well for non-monogamous folks um that's another fantastic resource as well so finding places um, to connect with online community super helpful there's lots of facebook groups around for non-monogamous folks and sex positive people um really you know finding that community is super important so even if you are super introverted um you know and don't like to have a large you know cascading group of friends that is totally okay and i cannot emphasize the importance of community enough especially for folks who are more introverted and less inclined to go to parties or workshops and stuff Thank you for that. Yeah, I was uh, very excited about what we were talking about and did not circle back <laughs> to online community. So thank you for, yeah, that's, for doing that for me. Yeah, no, that's my, my little plug for online community, um, as well as, you know, finding, um, following folks on Instagram and Twitter and, you know, places online, TikTok, et cetera. Um, they usually have lots of places to connect with other followers and other people um, in the in those communities as well. Um, and then second piece of advice I would say is, I don't know if this is advice, but just community is literally everything. We as humans, we are still around to this day because our lizard brains have always pushed us to find community. Community is survival for us. When we are going through conflict with our partners, like our lizard brains literally tell us that we are dying because back in the day we were, like we would die if we did not have community. And so this is why, you know, when we lose relationships or our relationships or our community um, is in danger, we get so scared and we get so dysregulated. Um, but if anything, that just shows how incredibly important community and the relationships that make up that community are. So if you want to have a strong community with a, you know, solid foundation, um, maintaining those relationships that that make it up are super super important because your community is going to go through areas of ebbs and flow where it is going to rely more heavily on those individual relationships rather than those kind of larger group gatherings so maintaining those relationships and really understanding that not only are you maintaining that relationship for yourself and the other person in them but for your broader community um, i think helps us put a lot more intention into those relationships and intention into the communities that we're building thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
I hope that everyone listening already follows Corey on Instagram. If you don't, please do. They have just incredible content and I can tell you that they are an incredible person. So Corey, thank you so much for your time and energy and for having this conversation with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. This was so wonderful. I love talking about this. So thank you. Absolutely. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together. 